is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? Singing the blues when the Red Sox lose, it's a crisis in your life. On the run, cause all your girlfriends wanna be your wife. And the laundry tickets in the wash. Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name. Troubles are all the same You wanna go where everybody knows your name Hey Mr. Peterson, what's the story? Boy meets beer, boy drinks beer, boy gets another beer <laughs> Welcome to Box 39 with me, Bill Lawrence, and I'm coming live from the famous Studio One on the even more famous fourth floor of the incredibly famous Cole Radio Towers. And you're very welcome to join us as I'm joined by my guest presenter this week, Bob May, as we investigate pubs and their place in our lives, particularly those in and around Colchester that have been reimagined, remodelled, or actually just disappeared and lost. Now, when I moved into the unimaginably exciting world of being an adequately paid Ian living each day at the leading edge of Northeast Essex's microphone revolution in the early to mid 1980s, I dabbled with owning my own pub. Working in TV and radio, while well, it was no longer just for the tiny few who had gained a degree in a cocaine habit at Cambridge, it was time for the real talent to emerge. I looked and I looked carefully. All around me, I saw fellow celebrities taking on pubs alongside their fat belly broadcasting contracts. Perhaps best known is the story of Bruno Brooks, who opened his first wine bar opposite Rumford Station. It nearly killed him, and his career, of course. With his breakfast show starting at 6am and deliveries arriving at the wine bar from 10, he would stagger from cooking 20 to 30 covers at lunchtime, stumble through the early evening commuter rush with its inevitable demand for fresh New World wines as well as the more obvious French and Italian. Then he'd juggle for the rest of the evening with his pub quizzes, darts, matches, stag parties, stitch and bitch knitting circle from nearby St Mary's and so on and so forth. Now, it was a fearsome and unsustainable schedule for Bruno. Now Bruno, he, he was at the top of his radio game he now completely owned both the highest rated Sunday night top 40 countdown show in free non-Soviet Europe and the breakfast show that dared to push boundaries that other breakfast show presenters could only imagine. But as those awards piled up in his downstairs toilet, Brunel found his funny being tested to and beyond its very limits. His jingles were no longer awesome. His funny voices failed to land, and, above all, his radio timing slipped. Too many unreliable crossfades. All too often, he crashed the pips and the 9am news. We all know what happened next. God rest his radio soul. It became a big lesson for me as I started to leap up the breakfast show ladder. Since then, I've never touched the pub industry, despite the raft of offers. I turned down a 99-year leasehold at the Fat Legs in Ilford. I passed over several offers from Holly Willoughby to invest in the rather daringly-themed cocktail bars she swore to me would be bigger than Weatherspoons. Though I dodged the bullet there, I do send my best wishes to all those who subsequently spent time behind bars, and I don't mean bars serving drinks. 
Sue Lawley said it taught her everything she needed to launch her career again after she was let out. But who has ever heard Floella Benjamin again on the radio? Last I heard, she was back on security at Superdrug in Clacton. So it's time now to open Box 39 once more as we discover the Lost Pub. The first pub I drank in was the Prince of Wales. It was very much a local's pub, but on a busy Friday night it was possible for myself and my similarly underage friends to get served. To strengthen my appearance as being a confident and overage drinker, I had taken one of my dad's large wooden smoker's pipes and bought aromatic tobacco and a yellow box full of pink-tipped matches. It was too difficult though, the pipe wouldn't stay lit unless I sucked on it as if these were my last breaths. The pile of spent matches grew enormous. I stayed for three quickly drunk pints of cheap beer. In the car park my head spun, I sat down suddenly on the wet gravel and I dropped the pipe. Soon it was a dirty island in the small lake of my vomit. Listening to Box 39. And this is The Lost Pub. Our investigation of pubs and pub life that has changed, is missing, or has just simply disappeared. With Bill Lawrence, Adrian Cohen, and Bob May. You're here on Cone Radio with me, Bob May, and Bill Lawrence. And Adrian Cohen, somewhere in the building, or possibly working from home again, doing the musicologies. Yes, and uh, thanks for coming in, Bob. A bit of a pub expert, and particularly a pub expert on um, Colchester pubs. So uh, I'm delighted you can come in. Now, what is a pub? Let's let's establish that first. What is a pub? Um, Well, uh, it's a drinking establishment, isn't it? Short for public house, of course, which was different to a private house in that people who didn't live there could go in. And it must have a licence, mustn't it? It must, in order to serve alcoholic drinks that yeah. are consumed on the premises. And in turn, the licence is attributed to a licensee. So there is someone who holds that licence and therefore must, in law, take responsibility Indeed. for what happens on the premises. Yeah, and, and it's not very often that they're called the licensee anymore, is it? I think they still have to have their name above the door, but yes. they're more often called landlord or landlady aren't they yes um, and <coughs> sometimes they can be sometimes they are the owner but often they are renting the premises from often a, a sort of part of the drinks industry or a, a company that owns a, a large number of yes them. that's true yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, there's a sort true. of idea that you can be tied into uh, the, a, a tied house is a where t- you, you rent the premises but you must buy your products from from the owners, yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, so we've got it. That's what the pub is. Um, when did when did we first start seeing pubs? Bob? Well, um, originally places were people did just 
brew home brew and sell it um but in the late 17th century uh, pubs started to appear as opposed to ale houses taverns and inns where which were traditionally overnight lodgings yeah yeah so uh, you don't have to be a member in, in, or a resident in a pub there are there are alcoholic uh, alcoholic places that sell alcohol which you do have to be a member both you and i are members of yes of, of one of those private clubs a, a yes private club yeah um uh, and and again, there has to be a licensee there, doesn't there? Yes, but yes. One of the things that made a pub different from an inn or a tavern, of course, is that you don't need to have food. Ah, yes, yes. You can um, just sell beer or cider on draft, usually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, thinking of, of, of a pub, there will be at least one area which is not laid out for meals, known as the bar, usually. Yes. The bar area. Yeah. Um, yeah, the bar being the, the counter, but also the word used to describe the whole room, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, now that we, that we go back in time, in Roman Britain, there's evidence of, of taverns. You've got alehouses in Anglo-Saxon times. Um, and really, uh, Samuel Pepys himself described the pub as the heart of England. The heart of England, yeah, and you can picture that, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's one more modern uh, reinvention of the pub, which would be the gastro pub. What would, what would that be? Oh, well, yes, they are a, a fairly new phenomenon, aren't they? That um, yeah. various, uh, various iterations of that, some owned by famous chefs, and they've made it very Michelin star style of mm. expensive food. Others call themselves gastro pubs but uh, are parts of chains which uh, i mean jamie oliver probably falls in both of those camps because because he was a, a famous chef and also had a chain of premises he did he did uh, and the food is more important than the beer in those establishments so it's a it's it's a very important part of our life isn't it Thirty nine thousand pubs in england and wales but sadly we're losing some sadly we are yes uh, i remember it being described as one a week some 20 years ago they they now reckon the two pubs are closing around the country every week that's very sad but here's a much happier bar this is bar italia and pulp now if you can stand I would like to take you by the hand, Jack And go for a walk Past the people as they go to work Let's get out of this place before they tell The second pub I drank in was called The Swan. It had a traditional public bar in which I played darts whilst learning the subtle differences between late 1970s bitter and 1970s lager. Not much happened in The Swan. Half a dozen underage darts players in one bar and a dozen or so pensioners who had fought in the war against Hitler. There were two who had even been in the trenches in Flanders. They tolerated us like we tolerated them. Our minds only looked to our futures, relevant, exciting, and to be far better than those of the saloon bar. The past didn't matter. Being 70 years old was impossible to imagine, so we never tried. We didn't notice their shared glances and grimaces as we talked and drank and played darts in our polyester clothing, flared jeans and with our naivety and innocence worn loudly on our sleeves.
Open the box. 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 You're listening to Box 39 here on Cone Radio with me, Bob May, and Bill Lawrence. Uh, Bob, why do we have pubs? Well, I, I suppose the original reason was that people liked drinking alcohol and other people saw a market to sell alcohol. Yeah. But um, they've become the cornerstone of communities in many towns, villages, and uh, urban settlements definitely definitely i mean you're right they are very important to the local economy and i guess uh, collectively that must help the national economy an awful lot of taxes raised through the alcohol that A is a huge amount yes yeah yeah but um i think of them more as a, as a sort of meeting place it's where you have community events i mean think of a world cup where would a world cup in the summer be oh, without a pub? forget the world cups pub. in the winter yeah <laughs> yeah definitely forget those <laughs> but yes you're right and my mother always used to say to me when we watched coronation street just this isn't real she said there is no way all of those characters would go to the pub but it provided a convenient venue for yeah. the characters to interface yeah. didn't yeah. it and and that is true if you're on your own one evening i'll pop around the pub i yeah. might if it's my local i'll see someone i know yeah. and then i'm not on my own absolutely pubs are um, also really good in charity fundraising um the sadness of losing pubs is sports teams that are linked to pubs will yeah. disappear yeah. darts football snooker pool all of those things have fewer venues to play in yeah, or to I'm, be I'm uh, struggling to think of the pubs that I go in very few I can only think of one that has a darts team only one with a pool table yeah yeah the pool table used to be everywhere didn't it and the trouble with the pool table and a darts board is that they don't really they occupy the space where where, where drinkers could be sat or eating perhaps yes that's true yes um, particularly with darts where the uh, there's a danger if you sit too near <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there are pubs also again maybe not for our generation or this generation current generation but pubs used to be where you had live music weren't they yes yeah yes sometimes formal where the band is actually booked and advertised but of course particularly in ireland but also in parts of britain mainland britain um just ad hoc people would turn up with instruments and just enjoy playing yeah and yeah. entertaining i know there were certain pubs you're the colchester expert I, I i've been told about the twist is it the twist or oh, the oliver twist yes just on the famous foot of, for a foot of military road yes a very dark airless box really but uh some yeah some great music there over the years yeah yeah uh, there's um there's a there is a, a very popular pub in the high street of colchester and they're called the three wise monkeys which has live bands they have live bands yes. and, and are very successful because unfortunately there's not many places that do have live no, bands no there i mean there is a bar just along the street from them that has started doing bands as well yeah but the the bull in crouch street seems to have come off the map as being yeah. a premium venue yeah. doesn't it and i suppose if you think of those thirty-nine thousand establishments that we mentioned the, the pub provides an awful lot of employment that's, yes, that's also a fact, yeah. There are front-of-house staff, um, security staff on some places, yeah. but kitchen staff, cleaners. Yeah, delivery. Delivery, people. yeah, all the ancillary stuff. People making stuff. the booze. People selling the crisps to them yeah. and producing yeah. them. Yeah, it's a knock-on, a big employer, yeah. So it's a wonderfully important part of our community. I think you're right when you called it the cornerstone of our community. They they are institutions in our society that are very, very valuable. And I suppose that once again, uh, you know, emphasises what a sad thing it is that we're losing a couple of them every week. Um, but we, we live in hope that things will get better. I think there's been a, a COVID had a, a very bad did impact, have a big it? big effect didn't it yes yeah um it helped the small brewers i think didn't it to to um 
get established a little bit, but also hindered them in that they hadn't then got a ready market to sell the, yeah. the products. I think my dad uh, would have... He, he died before COVID, but he would not be able to imagine a time when the every pub in Britain was closed for a couple of months. I mean, he lived through the Blitz and no yeah. pubs closed then. Either. No, no. So, no. yeah, it's been, it's been difficult times. Well, we'll come back to pubs in a moment. Let's listen to this first. To the pub, the local, the front bar, the rubbery, to the squeeze, to the sevens, to the pots, the pints, the ponies, and the ponies, and the dogs, and to sure things and shartin, to the sticky carpet and roaring fires, to the dance floor, to the cheeky beer, the quiet beer, here hold my beer, to the G&T house white, just a light, it's quiet tonight. To in off the black, singlets and skivvies, to triple twenties, to the bouncer, the bussy, the licensee, to the boys, the girls, the old man, the first date, the last date, to wetting heads, to working late, to fallen mates, to kick it long, two dollars, three songs, to the winner, trivia, Newton John, to cock rock and rock gods, to acoustic wonders, wailing wonder wall, to last drinks, taps off, kicking on, house lights, call it a night. To leaving quietly, for sake of the neighbours, to the pub. Indeed, I think that poem probably sums it up much better than we could, Bob. All the different features that we were recognisable in the pub. Indeed, yes. But we've lost some pubs, particularly in Colchester. And uh, I, as I say, you're the expert on Colchester. Tell us something about the, the extent and the, the, the types of pubs and where they are. Something about the lost pubs of Colchester. Well, um, the research I did has thrown up the fact that in the last century or so, just some, from just prior to World War One until 2020, when COVID was in full swing, Colchester had lost at least 135 pubs. My goodness. Um, it's lost more since. It's gained one or two. Some Some places have opened as a pub others have been built brand new but i mean that's massive and when i started looking at the list i realized i remembered quite a lot of them so they're not all just gone in history at the end of the first world war because there were far fewer men left to to use them um but many went in the 50s the 60s the 70s uh and quite a lot i drunk in and some of course i had no idea at all they existed mm. Uh, I was struck actually by the number of pubs that were so on each other's doorsteps almost mm, mm. Um, and surprised by one street that I know well from my time working in the telephone exchange West Stockwell Street so that would be over in the Dutch Quarter wouldn't it just, yeah. off, just off the high street from so the very town central, hall yeah, very down central. to the cone yeah. yeah mostly residential and as you say Dutch weavers were living in little houses mm. um, and there were seven pubs listed in that street and now there are there are none. none there's one that is still recognisable as a pub Stockwell Arms which okay. closed a few years ago yeah, yeah. and opposite the facade of another one which is split into flats called the Nelson's Head right but the others were the Blue Boar the Brewery Tap the British Hotel which closed at the start of World War One, mm-hmm. the Locomotive the Nelson's Head as I said and also the Victory now I don't know where any of those buildings are if they've completely gone or whether they're just not yeah. easily spotted yeah sometimes you can spot a missing pub by uh, often when it's on the corner of a street it's sort of a, a, the doorway is at an angle isn't it between that would the give two it streets. away yes yeah and yeah. and in london particularly even when an area has been redeveloped mm. that little pub on the corner yeah. often survives doesn't yeah, it at, yeah. at the building at least yeah um there weren't very many corner how corner pubs that i'm aware of in colchester there's still one in uh, Newtown, the Artilleryman. Yeah. Um, oh, no, I, I live quite no, near to a, a corner pub. Yeah. yeah, one of those. I live quite near to a corner pub, uh, which is it, it is on the corner of a street. Although the the entrance is not on the corner; it's on the on yeah. on the street. Um, and they're often referred to, aren't they, as as the corner pubs? Even the uh, meaning. A very local, a very small, very local, like a corner shop. Yeah, has a similar. Yeah, derivation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Colchester being um, originally t- p- uh, next to a port called the Hive, um, 
so the hive every night would have been swarming with uh, sailors who had arrived and needed somewhere to stay and somewhere to have a convivial drink uh, I, yeah and i i've i'm not from colchester but i've been regaled of stories of pubs leading from the hive uh, in the main the main drag up to Colchester yes yes the, again there were a lot of those um, my father and my grandfather both worked at the Hythe not not on the docks but the Hythe was the the hub of Colchester's industry as you yeah. say the docks but yeah. various factories of renown the Colchester lathe Paxman's yes Spotterswood's printers Mola brickworks and so on and the pubs were there to serve them. There was a popular, uh, not so much a saying, but an anecdote that if you were to walk from uh, St. Botto, uh, from Hythe Station to St. Botto Station and have a drink in every pub, you wouldn't get there. <laughs> there were at least 20. Wow. Yeah. And they're all gone. And they're all gone. Yeah. 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 Mostly, mostly gone. There's a few still there. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe we'll come back and we'll, we'll do a, a walk up oh, be up Hyde Hill later on. OK, yeah. well, let's listen uh, from Ricky Lee Jones, who's going to tell us all about Danny's all-star joint. The third pub that I drank in was called The Artichoke, but within weeks it was relaunched with a large restaurant area that promised a non-stop buffet of roast meats and all the vegetables that you could pile on. Just as I had found like-minded drinking companions in a venue where I didn't feel out of place, I was most firmly no longer welcome. Regulars were told to go elsewhere, friends were told that their sort were not good enough, and all sorts of new rules about clothing, hair and shoes were introduced as supporting evidence for the immediate and lifelong bans that were applied. Retribution was swift and certain. Petrol caps on cars were extremely rare in those days. In just a few minutes, most of the cars in the pub car park had an extra pint of fuel straight from those bladders now banned and never to return. love to polish my box, my special box, my box 39. So you're listening to Box 39 and we're talking about the lost pub. Well, we have really said that an awful lot of pubs are lost of close, but, but why, Bob? Why well, is this happening? Yeah, why? It's, it's not so much what's wrong with the pub in itself, it's uh, what's changed in society. Yeah. Um, I think there's a number of things. There, there aren't the large volumes of men working in areas and just needing some liquid refreshment at lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly that's true in the countryside where there's no, almost nobody working on a farm anymore. Yeah. Um, and that has heavily contributed to the loss of village pubs. 
and the factories were where an awful lot of people worked and you walked from your home to the factory yes you walked or cycled and your community was built around the factory and yep. therefore you all came out with your wage packet at the same time after a hard week's work and so you all had a pint on the way home you had it in the vicinity because you either had your feet or a bicycle to go on and yeah helpfully you then didn't have to worry about the new drink drive laws that were introduced yeah so we've seen changes in in the way people work have very much affected uh, pubs um but are there any other reasons people just uh, no longer drinking or well i think be- beers have got um stronger in some cases that mild was a very weak beer just designed to refresh the throat mm. um the certainly the attitude of a man spending a proportion of his wages on a friday night uh, as a as a reward for working the week has changed yeah. it's much more likely now that a couple would go out yeah. and and have fewer drinks of course but possibly something to eat yeah and i think there's maybe a big third reason is that you don't need to go to the pub for your beer because you probably picked it up from asda or sainsbury's ah yes because yeah when i was young you either went to the pub or you went to the off license attached to the pub and you've got an alternative form of entertainment which might be netflix or whatever on your sofa you don't need to chat to doris and fred from up the road or have a game of darts or snooker so we could say that you know there's the massive structural institutional changes in society and and they're hitting the pub hard and those pubs that we do have you either adapt to those institutional changes or or that's you'll become one of those oh, they would one yeah of those many. they would die and you could see that when you go in most pubs on a non-weekend night that there would always be a seat there'll always be a space at the bar yeah. whereas i can recall where you went in and you couldn't get to the bar just on maybe a wednesday night yeah yeah they were they were the hub as you say there were two television channels no netflix <laughs> yeah yeah so um entertainment was outside and it's now much more introvert well i think we've got someone coming to the studio here bob evening gentlemen Lenny Len Dawson here, the new head of security, of course, here at Calm Radio. Just call me Len. I mean, that's what they always call me down on the marshes when I was the pure blood pearly king of my manor. And anyone who didn't bow to me found they had an urgent appointment with the proper Lego Dogs Award. No, I mean, I mean, I ain't a softy, but I'm not full of pet shop boys and fish paste neither. No, I mean, Dumbledore and a high fibre diet. More pillows than Halfords. And I ain't a tone-deaf Elvis impersonator, boy. I was the Limehouse of the year, three years running right across the millennium. Well, boys, can't stop here chatting all night. There's a cleaner up on the sixth floor waiting for me to tighten her mop head. But be careful, boys. I've heard accounts are doing some spot checks on expenses claims next week. Now, any problems, just tell them you know me, Lenny Len Dalston. See you soon, boys, and be good. Now I mean. Well, well, I think we will be good. Oh, she's scary. I think we will. Yes, I don't want to see Len too often. (laughs) No. no. Anyway, uh, Bob, let's talk some more about the uh, the lost pubs of Colchester because uh, I mean, you're talking about an awful lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as I say, over a hundred, and the names were so varied as well. There's there was a few repetitions, but names that even going around the country i have never seen other iterations of okay um the fences the fences was yeah. that in people putting up fences well, or, or, or fighting the, uh, with swords with i don't yeah. know which yeah, yeah um the gaiety yeah um what was that other one the the flower de luce the cock and pie the chaise and pear the caledonian the yeah. beehive that's probably more common isn't it yeah. lord palmerston lord ragler raglan um is it ne- interesting that, ne- interesting that named after you know uh your places people 
um, and gods and goddesses. I mean, they're to be inspire in many ways, aren't they? they yeah, they'd yeah. Be heroic names and yeah. Lord Raglan. You know, he just won a a, a war out in uh, some part of the Was empire, Crimea or somewhere, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and there were lots of pubs named to show your allegiance to whichever king or um, prince was in power at the time, weren't there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Roman Urn was a pub, apparently. Well, we're yeah. a Roman city, aren't we? Yes. The Sir Colin Campbell, who was Donald Campbell's dad, was he? I'm not even sure, <laughs> I, actually. I don't know. No. I mean, there was a Colin Campbell Bannerman, who was, an, who was a prime minister, but I don't know why they couldn't fit the Bannerman on the pub side. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, very interesting. And very interesting names. Do you know many pubs out in the out in the countryside we talked about pubs in the countryside we did yeah there was one that i used an awful lot and unusually its name was this house is without a name (laughs) Uh, most people called it the no name and and a lot of people thought it was called the pub with no name but it was this house is without a name it's now a very elegant private house but they had Inglenook fireplaces with crackling fires, hot thick soup, jacket potatoes, nice beer, and a hugely welcoming landlord and landlady. Ted Ted and Betty were there until it closed almost in Uh, um, the early 2000s. Very quickly, uh, you mentioned uh, pub names that were closed, but there's been some pubs that have opened. What are their names? Oh, now you've got me thinking. Um, there's, there's one that used to be the Norfolk has reopened. There's the Norfolk. There's the, and that's been reopened uh, as the Magnet. As the Magnet, yes. And half of it is a fish and chip shop. Yes. Which is an interesting parallel because the old Royal Oak in Harridge Road has been a fish and chip shop for almost as long as I can yeah. remember. I think I did drink in there once. And I can think of one pub that's actually been built as a pub very, very recently out near Sainsbury's on that massive Tollgate estate, and that's called the Princess Charlotte. There, and it's named yes. after, I do believe, somewhere we have in our royalty a new Princess Charlotte. We one do, of the don't children. we? Yes. And yeah. at least one of her brothers has got a pub named after him in Braintree. Ah, well, this now we're going to listen from someone, a very famous uh, drinker in a pub. This is Tom Waits. Well, I hope that I don't fall in love with you. Falling in love just makes me blue Well, the music plays and you display your heart for me to see I had a beer and now I hear you calling out for me The fourth pub that I drank in was called The Castle. It had quite a reputation in the small market town I lived in, as all bars did then. One pub was known for its skinheads and fighters. Another was famed for its soul boys wearing smooth clothing. But The Castle's reputation was the most powerful. Because on any day or evening a ribbon of big motorbikes would be parked outside. Shiny, noisy, complicated and exciting. These bikes revealed the type of fellow drinker should you have the nerve to enter. Bikers meant people who didn't always obey the rules and who liked danger. It meant wild parties after the pubs closed in fields and woods with bonfires, with rides on bikes and bleary cold walks home as the sun rose. The pub nurtured me as I grew to become a man. It gave me lifelong memories and friends. Well, I turn around to look at you Nowhere to be found Search the place for your lost face Cause I'll have another round And I think that I just fell in love with you 
is Box 39. With another show where old men who should know better blather on about stuff being all informative and interesting. And there's never any of the latest juicy gossip about pop stars and YouTube influencers. To be honest, that's the sort of thing I want to listen to, but I'm contractually obliged to sit in the corner of the studio and do these voiceovers. And I don't get a decent cup of tea either. So, you're listening to Box 39 on Cone Radio, and we're talking about pubs of Colchester, and particularly lost pubs. Bob, I was going to ask you, when's a pub not a pub? When is a pub no longer a pub? Do we have any of those in Colchester? Well, yes, we do. Um, Obviously, it's when, when it ceases to be trading and selling alcohol. But um, some still look like pubs. We've got um, a particularly nice one, actually, on St John's Green, the Gardener's Arms. And I remember sitting with my friend Steve in his parents' car with a bag of crisps and a Coke each while they were in the pub. You wouldn't notice it now. It's part of an old people's residential care home now. Yeah. But the frontage is still very much the same. I wonder if any of the people that used to drink in there are now residents. Ah, uh-huh, well, that would be sort of home from home then, wouldn't it? <laughs> Similarly, the Cone Lodge in Crouch Street, which was a, a big music venue uh, and is part of a, a residential care home there. Others have become elegant private houses, such as the Angel and the Sun at Lexton, the Dolphin on High Hill, which is a beautiful timbered building. Mm. And uh, notably, as I say, the house without a name at Eastthorpe. Um, even where the pub no longer exists, some of the names linger on. Not not just in older people's memories, but as ongoing landmarks or, or bus stops even. Yeah, people, yeah. I've heard people still ask for Lexton Sun or Old Heath Bell, Langenho Lion and so on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice they they continue. You know, a little bit of history still lives with us. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. Okay. Um, this is from The Doors. And although it's called the Alabama Song, I think we, it refers to a particular drink. I drank in was called the Prince of Orange. I only visited occasionally as it was in another town, but every month or two I would venture in on a Friday night. It had dark corners and I was never sure of any names, particularly those working behind the bar. I didn't know the video games and the dartboard was never available. It had a pool table, but the rule was winner stays on and it always seemed to be the same winner. Sometimes there was live music in the small high-walled back garden, with a full drum kit and bass lines that rattled the empty bottles strewn on the floor. The heavy metal riffs and solos bore resemblance to Rush, Sabbath and things that smelt strongly of Clapton. And a live band meant the bar was open for an extra hour. What was not to love? Drinking, my necktie is asleep. 
Excuse me, gentlemen, can you tell me, is this your usual lunch? Yes, I think so. Um, yes, yes, of course, yes. Find a beer and a plum and lunch, yes. Is this your idea of a lunch, a couple of pints of beer? Yes, it is normally, because I deal with um, selling to customers, and I find these days that customers don't want to spend too long sitting down to a long lunch. It's been suggested, in fact, that you're doing your health no good whatsoever with this sort of lunch, that I'm, you should eat something a bit healthier. I'm smoking as well. <laughs> What drink is that? Lager and black currant. Lager and black currant. I've never heard of that. You say it does you lovely, but I mean, do you feel pretty good in the afternoon as well? Well, I don't work, so it uh, doesn't do me any harm. This is Cone Radio, and you're listening to Box 39. We're talking about the Lost Pub and the Lost Pubs of Colchester. And we're now going to look at pubs that are now something completely different, and the pub itself has been largely forgotten. Right, that's interesting. Go on, tell me, tell me some uh, some examples of those. Well, a, a little category of uh, Asian, Indian, and Chinese restaurants. The the Welcome Sailor at East Gates is probably the the longest surviving of those, on the mini roundabout near the uh, level crossing, the Globe in North Station Road, the Welshwood at Parsons Heath the Yak and Yeti at St Botolph's, the Britannia in Bearchurch Road, and recently the Cambridge Arms in Military Road. And they've all become restaurants. They've all become Asian restaurants, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's probably quite a good premises um, to convert. It's got a kitchen already, it's got yeah, uh, yeah. public rooms, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Are there any that have become something completely different? Well, the uh, I think I mentioned the Royal Oak in Harridge Road is a fish and chip shop yeah. for a long, long time. Um, the Little Crown in Shortwire Street and the Robin Hood in Osborne Street are cafes. Right. Um, and, of course, some have been converted into shops. Um, on The ship on East Hill, which became a Polish food store and is now the Pilgrim Centre under the wing of St. James Church. Uh, on the corner of St. Bodolph's and Priory Street was the Marlborough Head, I don't remember it as a pub. It was a car spares shop when I was a young driver. And it's now selling bridalware. And the Cups in Trinity Street, which is home to Fat Face and a charity shop. Are there there any that have just become... uh people's houses homes residential yeah i mean a lot a lot not so much in town i think in the town centered it would tend to get a different use but that is because people no longer tend to live in the town center yeah countryside pubs i know that have disappeared they've just become people's homes and and of course in some cases the the pub runner has tried to run the pub down in order that he can make a nice home from it Yeah, yeah yeah You do, you do hear actually examples of that. Though. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they open erratic hours and are grumpy to the customers and so yeah. on because they've got the potential either to sell some of the car park, yeah, and make money, or they are generally a big property anyway because they had a public area and the family's living area upstairs. Yeah, so. you mentioned the Sun. Is it on Lexington? The Sun, Road? yeah. Uh, and that's a lovely. Uh, I've been in that as a private. It's a very uh, a nice house, house, isn't it? It was a great pub when I was youngster as well. I spent a lot of time in there. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> bar billiards and yeah. just generally chatting and drinking horrible pre-camera drinks. Well, I think it's your your uh, time spent in pubs, Bob, that has brought you here with your expertise. Well, thank you, yes. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I must mention, of course, the Drury Arms in, yes. in Drury Road, which is a Sainsbury supermarket now. The, the yes. same building, but uh, that was a pub beloved by many Colchester United fans well, on match day. Yes, I mean, it was at the end of Layer Road. It was what, a five-minute walk. On the way I... from town and yeah. the station. Yeah. yeah. And so that was the pub to go to if you were a visiting fan, was it? Yeah, yeah, and and home fans, yeah. which, of course, may have uh, helped its demise because partly it would get a reputation for uh, fractious afternoons and also you can't exist on an alternate Saturday trade, can you? No, no. Well, let's hear from this. This is a band. I don't know of any other song from this band, but they seem to like two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. Two 
parts of lager and a packet of crisps, please. Two parts of lager and a packet of crisps, please. I'll have two parts of lager and a packet of crisps, please. I'll have some pickled onions and a little bit of cheese, please. Thank you. Uh, two parts of lager and a packet of crisps, please. Uh, two parts of lager and a packet of crisps, please. Two parts of lager and a packet of crisps, please. And I've got all the right money and all that, please. Thank you. Oi, two parts of lager and a packet of crisps, please. Hey, two parts of lager and a packet of crisps, please. Two parts of lager and a packet of crisps, please. I've been here half hour and I'm getting very thirsty. The last pub I drank in was called The Black Horse. It was nondescript, both outside and in. Tables were pushed into lowly lit corners. Few customers stood at the bar, other than quietly purchasing drinks to be carried back to the dark recesses. This was the pub for first-time daters, somewhere where it was extremely unlikely you would meet anyone you knew. The perfect place to take the lady you'd snogged the night before on the way home from the cinema. Its busiest time was early on a Sunday night. By ten, though, it was almost empty, as, with nerves fortified by alcohol, the couples would take the long and winding country roads home. With luck, they would stop in dark country park car parks or even field entrances, where snogging, and perhaps more, would be enjoyed behind steamed-up windows and on top of misplaced handbrake handles. What's in it then? Well, we're delighted to say that both myself and Bob May have been in Box 39 tonight and you've been listening to our show all about The Lost Pub. And uh, it's that time when we have a look at some texts that have been sent in by you, our lovely listeners, during the course of the show. And uh, just looking on the uh, screen here, top of the top one I've got here is from Smithy. Smithy is from Elmstead Market, and Smithy, uh, they say that the British pub is the best in the world. Well, is it? Says Smithy. Is it really? If you believe that that they're the best in the world, you've never been to the King's Arms in Church Lane in central Jerusalem. Smithy says, even now, after 40 years since I first went there, it truly blows my mind. They still have those large cardboard sheets behind the bar that hold packets of nuts, and if you eat tactically, removing your nuts can also remove a nice young lady's bra. It's things like this and inventing the hovercraft, says Smithy, that kept the UK at the top of the world. Wow. Yes. Thank you, Smithy. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Smithy's world. <laughs> anyway, text number two is from uh, 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 a listener that's spoken to us quite a lot in the past, from Pauline Bush from South Stanway. Pauline says, The problem with any pub is that unless it is strictly controlled by government security forces, it can become a hotbed of anti-government nonsense, insurgency and even revolution. Uh, Pauline continues, uh, she says, When I grew up in South Africa in the 1980s, the government simply closed all bars and, if necessary, imprisoned, tortured and snapped off all freedoms to anyone who complained, thereby in one one fell swoop, removing all problems. Happy days, says Pauline. Wow. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. It's my vision of a happy day. <laughs> no. I, what, what would happen if you'd have, if you'd have beaten Pauline at darts in her pub? <sighs> could have been quite uh, risky, couldn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, it could. Well, yeah. Pauline, it's always interesting to hear from you. Um, 
Let's move on very swiftly. This is a text from Bruno Brooks. Oh, lovely to hear. Oh, brilliant. Bruno. And and Bruno says, I just wanted to say that I sold the wine bar to B.A. Robinson at least 24 hours before the fire that burned it to the ground. Oh. Oh, that's good timing, isn't it? Excellent timing. And uh, Bruno says, B.A. Robinson does get very muddled these days. Just check the court records, says Bruno. And it wasn't Lulu who was working the bar that night. It was Trevor Brooking. He was the one who didn't turn off the fondue sets at the end of the evening. Oh dear. Um, yeah, well, I did hear Accidents about can happen. Well, absolutely. Mm. And Bruno ends up by saying, by the way, the fat legs in Ilford, uh, is, those legs are still always open. Oh, that's great to hear. <laughs> well, it? thank you, Bruno. I, well, I, did, I think Bruno is, is living in one of those care homes, actually, these days. He might well be. But at least yeah. he's listening to yeah. us, so thank you, Bruno. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it. That's pubs. Well, pubs, what are pubs then? They're public houses, aren't they? There's big pubs, there's small pubs, there's quiet pubs and there's noisy pubs. There's pubs that I really like and, well, I have to say, it's fair to say there's pubs that I really don't like. Ah, pubs. I love them. I do too. Well, uh, ooh, just popped up there a late text and this one is from Floella Benjamin who we were oh. talking about and she says dear Belle oh, I just thought I'd contact you just to say I am still alive I'm not playing in a band of he- in heaven with Bob Marley and Keith Moon oh that's good to hear <laughs> that Flo. is very good yeah. to hear Floella uh, no she says I'm very much alive uh, she says uh, she's now a lord in the British House of Representatives where the food and the snooker are good every day I don't have to wear coloured patchwork dungarees and a pink headband uh, is one more that I give thanks to the mighty Frigg the wife of Odin the most important of all the Norse goddesses who was also blessed with the power of divination though she never revealed her visions to anyone just like says Floella she doesn't reveal anything reveal she says I don't reveal why me and Jonathan Ross were found in France the day after the rap party for the end of Playaway best for all of us she says i mean for all of us who still own a senior presenter's chair bill promise me it won't be mentioned again and above all she says don't mention any of this on your show Oh, lucky we haven't, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, uh, we won't say anything about uh, Jonathan Ross and uh, Floella. No. Well, this has been Box 39, the magazine of community, music, humour and chat, coming live from Studio One, as always, in Colm Radio Towers, and as always on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. Thank you to Adrian Cohen, and thank you so much, Bob for all you've got your contributions and your very your your mountains of wisdom you're most welcome i'm quite thirsty now yes so i have been bill lawrence and from high up here in studio one on the fourth floor of cone radio towers looking out over the full and fertile lands of north essex i've been bob may but it's time for us to close box 39 once more be seeing you be seeing you It's quarter to three There's no one in the place Except you and me So set them up, Joe I got a little story I think you should know We're drinking, my friend, to the end of a brief episode. Make it one for my babe, and one more for the road. I got the routine Put another nickel In the machine Feeling so bad Can't you make the music Easy and sad 
I could tell you a lot But you've gotta be True to your code Just make it one Box 39 is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. <laughs>